0: This is the Team Lotus Cares Podcast. We connect with business owners and managers to protect your business from cyber attackers while providing business clarity empowered by technology. You can make technology for your business more productive, secure, and simple. Now, here is Maria and Curtis. Hey, Maria. We are now in uh, episode number 41 of the Team Lotus Cares Podcast. Before you know it, we're going to be carving pumpkins.
1: Oh, my gosh. I already see all the fall stuff in, in the stores.
0: Unbelievable. We're wrapping up summer, heading into fall. And of course, before you know it, we'll be saying Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. (laughs) We have a great guest coming up today. So we lining up a lot of great guests in uh, the Team Lotus Cares podcast. Episode 41 today, we've got Bill Flynn, really uh, 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 interesting guy. He's written a book, Further Faster and he's all about leadership within corporations uh one of the big things he pushes is uh, firing yourself from the day to day if you're the ceo of your company so you can develop more of a vision for the company and um he he really had a lot of a ton has a ton of information coming up uh, definitely a good listen that's for sure
1: Absolutely. It was um, very insightful as to, you know, what leaders should be doing and how to progress through the development of your company. Um, I found it um, I learned a lot just by the little bit that, you know, we shared.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to having him back again. That's for sure. He talked about uh, um, Alan Mulally, who had led Ford and turned that around uh, back some years ago and, and just, um, uh, you know, has really been working with a lot of folks a lot of names you know over the years. So definitely uh, worth checking out here in just a few moments. One of the things I wanted to point out um, in, in uh, we from our LotusBusinessTech.com blog is a recent article we posted earlier this month about the importance of domain names. And uh, they're very important. Now, it's getting harder to find a good domain, but there are still some good ones. Um, one of the things, don't forget, you can buy a domain. And it might not be as much money as you think. Um, we've bought domains before and they were not, it wasn't a crazy amount of money. You no. know, it was it was reasonable. But don't forget, you know, you're thinking about your domain name. You want to think about first impressions, search engine optimization, brand recognition. You want to keep them short and simple. Don't get too smart with your domain name. <laughs> there are, I, I one of the, oddest ones I think I've ever seen was when radio.com changed their name to odyssey.com and I would imagine that if you walked up to somebody and said hey can you do me a favor go to odyssey.com in your browser they're gonna spell it anyway but what is the actual way to spell that word because it's a made-up word it's it's odyssey is the name of a corporation and it's just kind of a Made up word and so it uh think about your domain and one more thing I wanted to throw in there too um and we don't it doesn't go into this we don't go into it in this blog article but one of the things I wanted to point out quickly when I was when going through this and we're going to write up a follow up article on this is that when you make when you get your domain if it's a dot com try and get the dot net as well Even a .org, if you can get that as well, you don't have to really be a nonprofit to get a .org, but you just want to protect your name, but you also want to get the misspellings of your name. So number one, you don't lose missed opportunities, but also people don't use your misspelled domain and go register it so that they can send spam looking like you. And we actually have a tool where we can take your domain name and give you back a list of domains you should buy based on different spelling tweaks and things like that. So we have a little tool that uh, if you ever wanted to reach out, open a ticket with our support team, and we could give you the alternatives of domains that you should go buy. Well, let's uh, move forward with our interview today. Bill Flynn talking about leadership. He has a bit of a different take on leadership. And uh, so let's go with Bill Flynn. I know that you deal a lot in leadership and we hear a lot about leadership. What's what's your initial thoughts on a discussion about leadership, like in a corporate structure?
2: Sure. Um, So I have a bit of a contrarian view of leadership. Uh, I don't actually think leadership is a thing. Um, Uh And what I mean by that is you can't. Sort of create a formula and say if you do this 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 and this then you're a leader because leaders are really different you know uh and i've been to i've been to so many conferences probably hundreds of conferences and they i always see that list right if you want to be a great leader you need to have, be humble and have charisma and have integrity and have service and blah, blah, blah and then you look at these leaders that people consider great leaders and you know steve jobs didn't have a lot of integrity um uh warren buffett not a ton of charisma with that guy oh, um no. i could probably list off a bunch of them that aren't humble in any way shape or form yet people- elon Musk
0: comes to mind
2: yeah he a lot
0: of humility there
2: no nope, not a lot not a lot he completely changed the name of twitter the other day and i don't you know yeah. I, do you tweet anymore or do you x someone i don't know what you do there yeah um <laughs> uh so what I've come to believe is true is that um, to be a leader, uh, you, can't, you, you don't proclaim you're a leader. You can proclaim that you're a boss, you can proclaim that you have authority, but leaders are chosen. Uh, and how do they choose you, right? So I think followership is more of a thing. I think there's a formula for creating followers that we should study, and and as far as I can tell, there isn't anyone who's really studied followership, but like, how to create followers, Um, because really, that's, that's all that leaders have in common, is that they create followers, now, how do they create them, it seems that there are two things that they all have in common to me, anyway, one is they have a compelling vision, right, they're saying, look, I'm leading you somewhere, here's what it looks like, Right. So they have that vision. And, and, and it's enough for people to often forgive them their other flaws. Right. Pe- people think Steve Jobs was a, a tremendous leader, yet he had a lot of flaws. Um, you know, and I would say that in, in many ways he is a tre- tremendous leader, and especially G- Steve Jobs 2.0. He was a much different leader the second time around than he was the first time around. And I think he was much oh, better. Yeah. At it. Um, the other thing that I believe they all have in common is courage. Uh, to be a leader, you have to have courage. Why? Because, you know, you're obviously putting yourself out there, you're, you're sharing your vision and it's, you're giving it to the world or to part of the world for scrutiny, so that takes courage. If you really want it to be realized, you have to give it away and let other people help you get there. Um, there's lots of other courageous things that I think that go along with it. Um, so that's sort of what I think about leadership. Uh, in general now can you be a great leader yes you know and, and i think i think the best leader i've ever um actually met now uh, i met him uh about a month ago uh and i've been talking about him for over a decade is a guy named alan mulally is either oh. do you know who alan mulally is former, uh, i think former leader of ford right yes he, he he ran boeing commercial aircraft and then he ran ford um He's the best leader I've ever seen, one, because he's, he is a genuinely nice human being. Um, he is about as humble as they come, uh, wow. and, but you know he has done things that were basically impossible. Uh, I don't know how much you know about his story, but in essence, he turned around Boeing in the middle of 9-11, and he turned hmm. around Ford in the middle of 2008. Uh, and he had them coming out of those crises that were basically aimed at those industries better than they were going in, which wow. to me is amazing, right? Who name yeah. a leader who's done that. Um, plus, you know, he took the, the employee satisfaction score from I think it was about 14% when he went in and when he left eight years later, it was 96. I mean, these people loved him uh, because he loved them back. He, he, he has a saying, which is you love them up and you hold them to the standard. As long as you do those things, you know, and you can hold, you can hold them to the standard and still love them. He said, you know, you can love them as they leave the organization because they're not meeting the standard, you know, but that's, <laughs> that's the way he is, right? He, he, he's a great guy and I got to meet him for the first time ever about uh, a month ago because we're in the, we're in the same group, but he doesn't show up very often.
1: Ah. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. pretty cool. I do have a question. Yeah. So, because, I mean, you mentioned Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. And I think um, there, there was, you know, one, he was being asked to leave, and then there's one that he did not, you know, um, wanted to come back without um, any um, great ask, I guess. But in your book, um, Further Faster, you talked mm-hmm. about the, uh, how a leader, specifically the CEO, right, must fire um, themselves from the day-to-day. And yeah. what, I'm curious, why is that?
2: Uh, so when you're, when you're leading a company or leading a team or whatever it is, if you're, if you're in charge of making some function happen and you have a team surrounding you to do that, um, your job as you grow, obviously if you're much smaller, it's different. You have to be a player coach. You have to do both things. But as you grow, um, your job no longer becomes doing the day to day. Uh, it's thinking about the future. So I like to say you want to, you want to, um, put your head out versus down much more often right most most people in business look down right they say what's going on i have this meeting i have to prepare for this and whatever and and that's important to some degree but if you're you should be constantly looking for ways to give away the stuff that you do to do fewer things for your team to do the fewer things that truly matter to the success of the function or the company because if you look at most companies um, the, the the most successful portions of their companies it's just a small thing. It's either in a small set of customers. So if you have 100 customers, um, 20 of them are driving 80% or more of your profit. Yeah. That means one more of those is 16 times more valuable than anyone else. Mm. Yet we go after whatever. We chase revenue. Um, so what I like to say is that your job is becomes more and more to predict the future of the business as opposed to the present, working in the present. And... Creating a future is an innovative act. It takes insight and ideas. And so I asked this of many people. I'll ask this of both of you. When you get your best ideas, what are you doing?
1: Is that rhetorical?
2: No, no. (laughs) Probably probably
0: not. I would say for me, not being in the trenches. When I'm actually stepping back and taking a moment, maybe for myself or just relaxing almost. Yep, yep.
2: How about you, Maria?
1: I would say something, doing something enjoyable. Um, either I'm gardening or um, exercising or going for a walk, something like that, and all of a sudden an idea comes, it's like, wait, I don't have anything to write with. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's a, You have your phone, you can always do it on your phone. smile um,
1: Yeah, you yep. yeah, can make a note.
2: But uh, so, so, that's, so that's how the brain works. I'm a bit of a neuroscience geek, as you probably read in my book. And um, so when insights come, it's when the brain is calm and quiet so if you 're going to if you take that and that 's true, which it is and there's a lot of research that goes along with that when insights happen it 's usually when you 're bored or you're you're doing something that doesn 't take cognitive energy um, that 's when insights come so if that 's true, then in order for you to predict the future of the company, which is something in the in the future, which is a creative act, you have to have more time and space to do that so that 's why you need to fire yourself from the day to day, which is what I mean is that the, the more time you have to sit back. And col- so first you should collect information, right? You should be talking to your, your, team, your team members, you should be talking to your best customers, you should be out in the marketplace, just gathering information because you're, you're filling your brain with potential things that could connect. Um, and then when you're quiet, that's what happens. Like literally in your brain, two parts that, disparate parts that are loosely connected become fused together. You mm. literally change your brain when you get an insight. Um, and the, and the, when that happens is when you're not doing something. You're just well, That
1: makes sense. That's like you know, the difference between losing your mind and being able to exactly. connect.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's why I, I preach that for, for leaders.
0: A lot of times if I'm facing a problem, I'll, I call it sitting on the problem. I'll kind of put mm-hmm. it on the back burner. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how it could be 12 hours later, 24, maybe 36 hours later, you have a solution. It just yep. kind of pops into your brain. Yeah, it's, it's amazing un- how that happens yeah
2: that's i've used not that in the past it's unexplainable but it works well it actually is explainable ah. <laughs> um it, it is i think t- t- it
1: happens in the middle of the night
2: <laughs> yeah well actually it's funny if you want to learn a skill like say you're learning an instrument or something the best time to practice something that's very difficult is just before you go to bed hmm um, and then when you get up, it's, it's amazing. Your brain, so your old brain is is much more powerful than your new brain, right? Your, your prefrontal cortex is much newer, and the the amount of transactions per second that can do are is minimal compared to your old brain, right? The brain that's been around for hundreds of thousands, if not longer, there are a lot more transactions per second. That's what basically you're doing, Curtis. Is you're sort of putting it in, and that part of your brain is sort of chewing it, and and and. Thinking about it without you consciously knowing it. That's why they say if you can't remember something, you think about something else, and then suddenly it pops into your head. Because if yeah. you try to remember something, it's much harder to remember it than if you don't try to remember it, which is rather odd. But that's yes. generally how it works. Yeah. That's
1: what, sometimes it seems that people that are successful in certain realms is like they seem so calm and collected, and it's, this is probably their reason why, you know. So. So, why got you interested in, in this in the first place, as far as leadership is concerned?
2: So, I've been uh, so I did ten startups over twenty five years um, okay. so from my early twenties till about seven or eight years ago. Um, I'm I'm a highly curious person um, in certain areas. So, I'm not highly curious in general, um, uh, but I certain when I have a topic, I I love to go deep into a topic. And so, I I especially after I did a bunch of startups and. Uh, Some of them went well, and then some of them didn't go well at all. I'm like, well, why was that, right? In many cases, it was the same team um, or similar teams. Uh, So I I always, like, sort of looked back and said, I'd like to understand this. I'm described myself as an etiologist. I like to understand cause and effect. Um, What are the things that, that happen and what causes them to happen? And so I got deeper and deeper into that my first taste into it was actually also got me into neuroscience is I was a sales guy for a long time. Uh, and I, I was 22, 23 and I was, you know, just a new salesperson and, and, um, I'm a good learner, especially if I like the topic. So I learned, I learned all the things that I was told to be a great salesperson, right? Which is you have to be, um, uh, you have to create rapport. You have to know your product. You know, you have to make sure you listen really well. I mean, all these things. And I did everything. You um, have to be likable. I'm generally likable, uh, and I sucked at being a salesman. I was terrible at it. I didn't. I didn't do it very well. Uh, I didn't. Wasn't nearly as good as other folks. You know. But I did everything I was supposed to do. And then I said, Why is that? You know. Um, and then I. I so I thought, I sat back and I thought, Okay, what is sales? And sales, in essence, to me, is helping someone else make a decision. Right. You're yeah. giving them information to be, to make a decision. So then I studied decision making. Right? How does how do people make decisions? Really? How does the brain make a decision? And I learned that when you when the brain makes a decision, they put people in fMRI machines and have them make decisions, and they see where the blood goes in the brain, which is generally what an MRI does. And the limbic areas of the brain lit up first, and they often lit up before the person was consciously aware of the decision that they made. So emotion drives our decisions, at least the initial one. Now you can certainly, you know, counter that and, and reflect and, and not have emotion drive your decisions, but that's certainly what, what works. So, so I said, okay, what I need to do is is, is you know, do those things that, that drive the emotion part of the of the sale much more than I was doing. I was, I was very tactical, right? And that's probably why I wasn't I wasn't really as likable as I thought I was because I was just you know sort of doing the job and taking
1: and, the boxes.
2: yeah. So I did a bunch of changes, but the biggest change I made was whenever I spoke to a new person or in any meeting, I would sit them down and I would say, have the people gather. I would do two things. One, I would look for what uh, I learned is the bully with the juice in the meeting. And that means it doesn't necessarily have to be the boss, but there's someone in that meeting that others are looking to, one or two people that they're looking to, to help in this situation, right? That's why they're there. Okay. Um, So you find them and typically they sit at the head of the table or something, but there's something about them that you can usually tell. Um, and then, uh, I would go around with the whole room, but especially with that person or those people, I would say, okay, this is going to take us 45 minutes to an hour. Can you describe for me the best use of your time, right? The end of the meeting happens and, and you, you leave it and like, well, that was everything and more than I expected the meeting to be. What would have happened? And then I write down everything they say. Um, and then. I tailor my presentation, now I make sure everyone in the room gets to go, right? And then I tailor my presentation to everything that they said. And then at the end, they might have missed something that I thought was pertinent that other people were interested in. And I would say, hey, do you mind if I throw this in? And often they would say, okay. Um, and so, so what I was doing is basically saying, you matter more than I do. I'm here for you, right? And I'm acknowledging what you want and I'm giving you what you want. So at the end of the meeting, I would go over each thing. I said, I wrote down these things did I miss anything? Um, and if it was a good fit, uh, sometimes it wasn't a good fit, you know, and I would say, look, I don't think we're a good fit for you. Um, I won almost every single one of those deals. Wow. Uh, and I became the number one and the number two salesperson everywhere. I went after that. Huh? It was like a superpower. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. so now you could use it for, for, for ill. I didn't use it for ill. Right. Because it's kind of <laughs> manipulative if you think about it. Um, but you know I, I, that wasn't my way, so that helped.
0: yeah, I, I, I've seen peop- salespeople do that, where they and they may, may not do it all in one, but they, they in that what we call discovery, yeah. find out what it is going to ultimately make that every all the key players, stakeholders
2: happen all. Yeah. And, and you have to be sincere. They, yeah, you can practice a method but if you're not sincere and by the way we're really good as human beings of detecting other people that you know because that's that's one of the things that why we're alive our ancestors were really good at staying out of trouble yes right so we're good and that's you know, we, animal. exactly right <laughs> yeah you know that's it like I say your brain is there is there to keep the the rest of the plumbing and the scaffolding alive that's really its right. job right and, and it's still doing that today even though we're not nearly as, as much threat as we were, you know, 10, 15, 15 20,000 years ago. But our brain doesn't know that. Our brain still hasn't really had a major upgrade in somewhere between 10 and 50,000 years, according to most research. So It still thinks we're on the savannah in a tribe, you know, trying to survive. And it doesn't know much. It can't really distinguish much between a physical threat and a social threat. Right. That's why we're in a, if we're in a social threat situation, our heart starts pumping, we start sweating. You know, uh, all those things happen. It's because our brain is saying, "Go, run, get out," yeah. right? Because it thinks it's it's you know it's in a death or a difficult situation that might you know end up in death, even though it isn't. It's just you know a bad so situation.
1: that would make total sense to me. That that would be kind of the function of a leader, um, to for the department leader or an owner of an organization is to have. They're, you know, whatever they're in charge of thrive, right? Um, is the, would that be the, the correct way of looking at things as far as a leader is concerned? What's their main job?
2: Yeah, so there's a woman named Amy Edmondson who's a Harvard Business School professor and has written a bunch of books on teams and some research for teams, on 20 teams for 20-something years. And she coined this term called psychological safety, mm. which you guys may have heard of. So that comes from Amy, who actually um, lives about 10 miles away from me. Um, <laughs> she's, in, she's in my book, and she actually has my book and endorsed my book, so that was pretty cool. Ah. Um, and she says, yeah, you're the, the best teams, the highest functioning teams are those that feel safe. And how they feel safe is when the leader, I like to say, if you're going to be a leader of a really great team, you have to get very comfortable with, I don't know, I'm sorry, and I need help. Because when you model that behavior and you really believe it, you're giving permission to everyone else to be a human being. And you're also giving permission to... For them to to feel safe to to say they're vulnerable, right? Most Simon Sinek says most people have a second job at work, which is hiding hiding, lying and faking, right? (laughs) Because they don't want to be seen, you know, to be obnoxious and you know, or intrusive or difficult. But you need to have people on your team that disagree, because from disagreement comes the best ideas, right? Cognitive diversity is what creates the best ideas. That's why, you know, we talk about diversity, inclusion, all that kind of stuff, which is great. Um, and I think that's important just from a social perspective. But from a practical perspective, it's also important because you get better ideas and better thoughts. Um, and especially if you're thinking about leading for the future, having all those different ideas with you is, is important you know, to gather. So, um, so, yes, I think that is one of the leader's greatest jobs is to just create an environment you know, so, so I think leaders have a couple of jobs. One is, is that you have to understand the function that you're performing, the components or the sub functions underneath, what success looks like for that function, assemble the right team, give them sort of the guidelines. You know, here's how we do, here's, here's how we behave, here's why we're doing this, etc. Here's how we know we're doing a good job, and then get out of the way and just help them, you know, if they, if they miss, that's fine, help them, help them fix it uh that, that's eventually should be your job and then your job should be thinking how do i make the lives of these people better how do i make the lives of my customers better be it internal or external customers you're totally thinking about the future um so, so yes i agree maria very much so
0: yeah one of the things i've learned is give them the freedom to make mistakes without yeah. you know but coming down on them for doing so they, they will do amazing things
2: exactly i agree
0: and, uh, uh and one of the things and you, don't, you trying, don't want to make
2: the same mistake twice, right? You're trying to avoid right making the same mistake. But if you're growing and doing things new, of course people are going to make mistakes. Yeah. It's new, you know. And if you think that, that you're going to get perfection from uh, discovering something new without any failure, then you're in deep trouble. It'll never happen. And by the way, then people will be afraid to to do that, which means now you're working against yourself. Yeah, exactly. You
0: have to let people be open about their mistakes.
2: Yep. Not hide them
0: under a bushel or anything crazy, and and uh, yeah, and then you know, and, and also I think it's good too to discuss the mistake as a group, yeah. so you can kind of put a group think into it as well. And how are different how different people in the group would have handled it? So
2: yeah, I'm a big fan of um, what's called a premortem which is if you're going to make a big decision, do a pre-mortem. And the pre-mortem has two functions. One is let's let's describe it as it's wildly successful, and then let's do the opposite. What if this was an abject failure? What would have happened, right? And then yeah. that helps you to potentially um, avoid the mistake before going in before forging ahead too quickly. And then what you said is do something. My favorite way to do that is called an after-action report, which is a military. There are four questions that you ask, and it basically is, you know, let's review what we're we yeah. doing. What was our goal? Did we achieve it? Where, where do we make mistakes? Basically, are the four questions you asked. And then you talk about that. And then you apply that to the next time.
0: So uh, as we wrap up today, any closing thoughts on what uh, folks, what they can do to accelerate their move into leadership and, and honing that, that experience?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh your your goal as a leader is is to I think if you you have to have a vision, right? Be it be it for the company or the team or the division, whatever it is that you're leading, you should be able to tell people this is what success looks like. When we're really hitting on all cylinders or we've achieved what we're, what we're supposed to achieve, this is what it looks like in vivid detail. Um that if you do that and you do that well, then you would be surprised at how much energy you'll create Inspiration you'll create, and activity you'll create just by doing that. will people say, "Oh, now I know what I'm doing," you know, and they they're smart. You give them their brains back, and let them they'll make better decisions for themselves because because they're, they're like, "Okay, now I know what we're doing," as opposed to being told what we're doing and waiting to be told. So I think if you were to do anything as a leader, that's the first thing: create a vision for whatever it is you're going to do. It could be a project; it doesn't matter what it is. If you're leading something, have a vision for it, share it with a team. Make sure it's clear and understandable and full, um, and then, you know, say, okay, let's let's go. Then what's the next step? What do we do next? And then you move. That would be my oh, job. even yeah. their, their, brains,
1: their brains back.
2: Giving <laughs> their brains back. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much, Bill. I, I appreciate uh, being with us today. Sure. Thank you. Thanks and, for having me. Uh, uh, and again, the name of your book, by the way, is Further Faster
2: yes further fast, and you can find that on my website which is catalystgrowthadvisors.com. dot com. you can get it there for free I, I i give it away for free you can also buy awesome. it from amazon or audible and i do about a, a post a blog post uh twice a month i have about 150 of them up there which are sort of these little nuggets of practical advice and there's all sorts of other stuff on there too check it out thank you very much great thanks for having
0: me. That's bill flynn on the podcast uh, today on team lotus cares episode 40 and uh Maria, I, I know there were a lot of takeaways from that conversation.
1: You know, I think I found it interesting the whole science and, and how he actually came to where he's yes. at today, right? So he's bringing forward his experiences with other leaders, um, very, very interesting leaders that, um, you know, not a lot of people get opportunities to come across. And then bringing the science and the psychology of it into your culture of the company and so forth. It's just, that's amazing how that just kind of morphed into. What he is today,
0: absolutely, and, and check out his book. Uh, it is uh, further, faster, and uh, definitely want to uh, track down Bill Flynn. That's with a Y, F L Y, N N, and you'll want to check out that book. Till the next episode, thank you, Maria. Thank you, Curtis. And don't forget, you can get an email from Maria every Thursday with her weekly cybersecurity tips. You can sign up at weeklycybersecuritytips.com. dot com. Thank you for listening to the Team Lotus Cares podcast. This is a free service of Lotus Management Services,
1: business clarity empowered by technology. Visit us on the web at lotusbusinesstech.com.